And you are facing it, and it is a weakness. If we're not careful, a weakness will kind of try to detour you or to force you in another direction. You are on your way traveling for the Lord and working for the Lord, and then all of a sudden, a weakness out of nowhere can show up, and it can bring you to a standstill space, uh, pace, and you say, I cannot keep moving and pursuing this thing that God has called me to. But today I want to talk to you about this thought that if you are going to have God's power resting on you, you must also glory in your weaknesses. Because the only way that you can really have the power of Christ resting on you is when you understand that it is not about you. It's not about your strength. See, Moses never delivered the people on his own ability. But it was because God called him and used him and allowed him to do what he had been called to do. See, Samson never brought victory to the people because of his ability, but it was the ability that came from the Holy Spirit that was empowering him. You understand, Gideon never saw victory because he was such a valiant man in himself, but it was when he brought the troops down to 300 that God's power rested on him and victory was brought when they went against the Midianites. So if you are going to have power, if you're going to have empowerment from God, you have to understand that you in yourself are weak. So we look at this opening of Paul. Paul writes these words. Paul says that I at one time was a man that has done many great things. See, Paul was a, a man that at one time was a Jew of all Jews. Paul in Acts 7, he was a man that consented to the death of Stephen. Then we see in Acts 9, he finds Christ and Christ saves him and he begins to walk out his relationship with the Lord. This man, before he found Jesus, was a scoundrel. This man, before he found the Lord, he was persecuting church members. He was going from house to house and he was doing whatever he could to stop the ministry of the church. But then when Paul found Jesus Christ, the Bible says right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let's go to verse 1 if you would. Paul says that I had an experience with God. He said it was expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He goes on to say, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one was caught up in the third heaven. That place where none of us have been. We've been in the first heaven, me and Dennis, when we flew to Nicaragua. We were in that first heaven, that place where the birds and the planes are at. And then we've also seen few go into the second heaven, as we've seen men on the moon and men go into space. But none of us has gone into the third heaven where God Almighty sits and reigns. The Bible said that even there, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for His people. But Paul, this great man of faith, said that he was in the Spirit and he was called into the third heaven. But when he was, there was a chance in himself that he would begin to boast about just how good 
was. Have you ever known anybody to begin to boast about where they've been or what they've done for the Lord? Have you ever seen anyone begin to talk about if they could just get to them and pray for them or if they could just lay their hands on them? If you could just come to my church or come to my conference or come to my revival, then you would see breakthrough. See, when a man begins to be puffed up and prideful about what God has done in them and forgets that it is not because of who they are, but because of the power of Christ that rests upon them. That's when you have what we are looking at tonight take place. Because the Bible said right here, Paul said, that so he would not become glorified or prideful in himself, he was given a thorn in his flesh. You talk about a terrible gift. Have you ever received a bad gift? Have you ever opened up a gift and said, hey, you can just have this gift back? I got a father, I love my dad dearly, but he is the hardest man to buy a gift for. You can buy him something, and he's just, looks, my mom's the same way. It's just like you can get them something, and it's something you know they need, but there is never like an overjoy about receiving. Now, don't tell her I said this, okay? Because she will be upset. But have you ever known somebody to be hard to give a gift for? Or have you ever been given a gift that you were just like, I don't know if I need this. But that's what Paul calls this thorn in the flesh. Paul says it was a gift. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Paul, I would be saying, I think you need to take this gift back. But the Bible said he was given this gift, and this gift was a thorn in the flesh. In my days, I've had many different splinters in my hand. And, and sometimes those splinters can fester up. And over time, they can begin to irritate and agitate. And there's also been some times where you would have to kind of peel that skin back to just get that splinter out because if it stayed any longer, it would cause a lot of trouble. There was one time in our other church in North Carolina, I stepped off the steps that day and I had a pair of Crocs on as, as normally I do when I'm just kind of lounging around and we had a flood in the church and I stepped off the stage and when I, do, when I did, one of the screws for the pews went through my foot and it was such pain. And that's really the only thing that I can relate this pain to because the word that Paul uses for a thorn in the flesh is not just a little splinter, but it is a stake. It is a wooden stake. And he said that it had been put into his flesh. Now when you look at this thorn, you understand that this thorn was not just something that he could just say, well, it's no big deal. But this thorn was something that would nudge him and begin to irritate him and begin to bother him and begin to show him that he was a little weak, maybe where he thought he was strong. For the Apostle Paul, there's been many a different um, ideas of what this thorn could have been. For Paul, some say it could have been his eyesight. For others, they have said that this thorn could have been something like the Judaizers that we see in Acts 14 that would hunt him down on his missionary journeys and cause disputes and cause troubles when he would preach the gospel. For some, they have said that it could have been some mental issues and temptations that he was dealing with. One thing that I have gathered from this study of this particular passage is that I think maybe one of the reasons we don't know what this thorn is is because if 
was someone may lose a little confidence in the Apostle Paul because your thorn is not my thorn and my thorn is not your thorn. But one thing I do know is everybody doesn't need to know what your thorn is because the fact of the matter is Paul was not in sin. This was not a sin issue. This was not a heaven or hell issue. But this was something that when he would work for the Lord, this weakness would pop up and he would have a feeling as if he was inadequate to do what God had called him to do. This man who had preached to the masses. masses. This man that had been on a shipwreck but saw all the passengers survive. This man that had prayed for the dead and the men had came back to life. This man that had prayed for the deep demoniacs and the demon spirit left. This man that had seen jail cells open. This man that when he was on missionary journeys had to be dropped out of a basket just so he would survive. This man that later we, we, we would know to find out wrote or, or was was, was responsible for writing three-fourths of the New Testament. His writings have been smuggled into countries that did not even allow the Bible. His writings, like Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. His writings, like Galatians 2 and 20, that says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. His writings, like Philippians 4 and 13, they've been put on t-shirts, they've been read in jail cells, and they have seen many people saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. But we've got to understand tonight, this man had a thorn in his flesh. This man who spoke many different languages. This man that has given us doctrine that we live and govern our church by had a thorn in his flesh. And today we live in a supernatural society. We live in a society that says that we should not be dealing with anything like that. But today, under the sound of my voice, there's people even in this room that probably are dealing with physical thorns. Physical thorns of sickness that you have prayed for, but yet it has not left. Physical thorns of impairment that says you're not qualified to do that which God has called you to do. Spiritual thorns of uh, thorns of spiritual trend, uh, difficulties and mental difficulties and emotional difficulties. And if you are like me, some of those thorns will nag at you, will claw at you, will bug you. And they are not there to play patty cakes with you. But the Bible said that when this thorn came to Paul, it was there to buffet him. Now when you look at that word, that is not a buffet. That is not like Ryan's or Golden Corral or there's a place in Greenwood called um, Larry's Fish House where you can get as much as you want. But this is not that. It's a boxing term. And, and I don't know much about boxing, but I believe I've watched enough movies that I can be an expert on it, you know. And I understand that you have to kind of stay balanced when you're boxing. In fact, today I, I was talking about it and I said I just came across a video of an MMA fighter and it was amazing just coming across it and studying for this message and the, 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 the scene said the greatest ending to an MMA match and this guy that was a huge man was on the verge of getting defeated. He was getting beat to a pulp by this man but the opponent allowed him to get his balance and 
he was just big enough, he finally got his balance in the last 10 seconds of that round. And when he did, he caught him with a left sucker punch. And when he did, that man went straight to the mat. He jumped up on top of him and began to pound him into the mat. And it wasn't because he was skilled. It was because he was able to catch his balance. And when the child of God is on the verge of doing great things for God, and when the child of God is on the precipice of revival, and on seeing God move in their city, and seeing God move in their community, it is no accident that there is a thorn in the flesh that is given to them. And it's not there to play patty cakes. It's not there to take you out to the playground. But it is there to knock you off balance so you don't go and do what God's called you to do. You don't sing like God's called you to sing. You don't preach like God's called you to preach. You don't teach like God's called you to teach. And you don't go to church like God's called you to go to church. The enemy is not out here to play games with us. The enemy is not out to just try and kind of, kind of, kind of be a, be in a game with us or in a boy, a, a brotherhood with us. But the Bible said that he is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And he brings a thorn in the flesh and he pricks you and nags you so that you will not do what God has called you to do. And the simple response for every child is to child of God is to pray. When something bad happens, we pray. And rightfully so. And Paul did the same thing. The Bible said that Paul began to plead. He said, dear God, would you remove this thorn? Now growing up, I was introduced to many different kinds of theology. None more egregious and off base than this name reclaimant theology that says that you can pray and get what you want if you believe enough, if you have enough faith. But that doctrine is debunked right here because the Bible said that he prayed three times. He asked God three times, Lord. The first, can you imagine the first time this great man of God who had seen the dead rise, seen jail cells open, had been rescued at the midnight hour. Can, can you believe it when he would kneel down and say, Dear God, would you take this thorn out of me? Would you heal my body? Would you remove these thoughts from my mind? Would you take this impairment from me? And it didn't happen. Second time he would pray and Nothing happened. The third time he would pray and nothing happened. But there came an answer from the Lord. Could it be that God is preparing us for something greater? And by us wanting this thorn in our flesh, this nagging, this battle from the enemy, wanting it removed from our life, we could very well miss out on the greatness that God has in store for us. I submit to you that if Moses had never had a stutter, he would have never seen how great God was when he was able to take over for Aaron and stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. I submit to you that David, if he would have never been a lowly shepherd boy, armed only with a sling, that he would have been a great big mighty soldier. See, the problem with Saul, he was a head and shoulder taller and greater than everybody else. But then there comes this little run named David. And he 
it shows up on the battlefield and it has only a sling. But God said, I can take that sling and slay the giant. I tell you that if Gideon had never gone down to 300 men and have only a pincher with a light on the inside, that he would have never seen the goodness of God like he did. Because the Bible said with just 300 troops that he busted open that pincher, he shone the light against the enemy, and God brought them great victory against the Midianites. Because God can do supernatural things when we allow him to take us in our weak state so that he can do great things for his kingdom. In fact, I believe that if the church would get a hold of John the Baptist and his theology, could the church one more time say he must increase and I must decrease? We have a lot of superstar preachers, a lot of charismatic preachers that seemingly have it all together. I believe God needs to see some more John the Baptist that will stand up that have only been eating some honey and some locusts and don't even know, don't even know what theology is, but knows what thus saith the Lord is, and God can use them for his glory. In this passage, Paul he prays, and God says, No, so there's a thorn. There's a prayer. And then there's a response. God's response is something unique. Because I remember when I would study Scripture, I would find out that we are not saved by works. We are saved by this wonderful thing called grace. In fact, grace, when you dive a little deeper in this definition of grace, it is unmerited favor. In fact, it's not even really forgiveness. Forgiveness is an attribute that comes from God's grace. Grace is when God says, I am in favor of you, and you didn't even deserve it. You didn't do anything for it. You didn't do anything to earn it. Your salvation you did not earn. Your anointing you did not earn. Your calling you did not earn. It was something that was gifted to you by God's amazing grace. The songwriter still says, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That amazing grace is when God favors His people that have called on Him as Lord. And they, they, He grants, this, grants us this unmerited favor. And in that moment, we find forgiveness. In that moment, we find strength. In that moment, we find the ability to move forward in our walk with Christ. And when he answers him with this, he says, I understand that you want this, but I want that. Or I understand you want that, but God says, I want this. God says, I don't want to remove it from you right yet. He says to him, he says, I want you to understand this thing. I want you to understand this thing, that my grace, my favor, my ability to 
walk and approve of you and strengthen you. It is sufficient. Now, now I'm done. I know it's hot, and I'm almost done. Because I'm trying to get through this, but I want you to understand this. There was a moment when Paul is pinning this that he feels insufficient because of his form. Anybody ever been there before? I mean, look, if this is not resonating with anybody else, it's resonating with me. Your thorn can be your past. Your thorn can be your failures. Your thorn can be your mind. Your thorn can be your, your, your images that cross your mind. Your thorn could be uh, some type of depression or anxiety or your thorn could be a relationship. Your thorn could be some kind of physical impairment. I don't know what your thorn may be, but if you've prayed about it, if you ask God, you're not in sin, you just got a thorn that's nagging at you. But I tell you tonight, if you pray about it, you need to understand if God's made you live with it, God will get you through it. If God's brought you to that place to where you've got something that's nagging you, we serve a God that says you might feel insignificant about what you are dealing with, but there is a grace that can come in in the midst of your situation and can be more than enough, can be sufficient for your every need, that can give you strength when you don't have any strength. He said, my strength is, my grace is sufficient. Now look, grace and power go hand in hand. When you look at this passage, he says, my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect. My power, listen, my Lord. I preached at a, at a youth camp two weeks ago. Pastor Dennis preached at one in Texas last week. And the first thing I said to those teens is when I got up there, I said, let me tell you this, I don't have it all together. Because I know what it's like when you see preachers at camp meeting and preachers that are at youth camp and preachers that are that that, that are preaching to the masses. You look at them on TV. You look at them in the traveling revivals. Um, Sin's even here tonight, and he can testify to this. We don't have it together. We we have thorns that are in our flesh. We don't live in sin. We live pure and moral and sanctified lives. But there are thorns in our flesh that the enemy has given us to buffet us, to knock us off balance, so we can't preach the gospel like God's called us to preach. So we can't pray for people like God's called us to pray for them. And what happens is we think when we see those people, they've got it all together. Nothing's wrong. There's never any depression. There's never any worries. There's never even any fears. There's never any anxiety. And when I open up this passage, I see that it is the farthest thing from the truth because the strength of God, hallelujah, is not made perfect until the witness of the individual is understood. Can I say that again? The strength of God is not made perfect that means that God's power is not brought into a completed work until the, 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 the one that is to be used from God understands that they are weak 
in themselves. Why is it? Well, the Bible tells us about a story when they had revival that broke out in Samaria. I believe it was in Acts 8. And there was a sorcerer there that said, I want to know how I can buy that which I have seen. And the apostle Peter looked at him and said, you don't even know what you're talking about. Because this is not of man, but it is of God. And I just want to tell somebody right here, the weakness that you're feeling is not what's going to bring you down. But the weakness that you're feeling could get you in alignment with the true power of God. So that when you preach, it's not you. So that when you sing, it's not you. So that when you pray, it's not you. But it's Christ that lives within you. Say amen to somebody. Oh, I'm really struggling with whether to preach this tonight or not. Because I know that this is revival night. I told them as I've got many messages that people have never heard before. But the Lord dropped this into my spirit. And as He says this, He says, the only way that you're going to get the power of God fully operational in your life is to understand that you and yourself have weaknesses. You and yourself have things that manage you and those things that want to bring you down, those things that you are compelled or something that would cause you to walk in sin and the enemy comes in and wants to knock you off balance because he knows if he can, he will thwart the plan of God for your life. So what do you do, preacher? There's a thorn. There's a prayer. And there's a response. Number four, there's Paul's response. There's a thorn. There's a prayer. There's God's response. But then there's Paul's response. Paul and all of his wonderful accolades and all of the great things that Paul had to brag about. It was his spirituality being brought into the third heaven. Before he was even a Christian, he was a Jew of all Jews. His seal was like none other. This man had such um, intellect. It would make every one of us look as if we are uneducated next to him. This man that could stand before a prince and also stand before a pauper. This man that could preach before people at Mars Hill and also preach before people on the island of Melita. This man that could eloquently write to churches like the Corinthians, but then also just get real with it to people like he did Timothy and Titus. This man understood that the only way that he was ever going to embrace the true power of God was when he understood that when he gloried in his weakness. I don't know if it was his eyesight. I don't know if it was his. I don't know if it was his mind. I don't know if it was the Judaizers. But I can just hear Paul in the jail cell saying, Oh, I thank you, God, that you've allowed me to realize that I am weak. I thank you, God, because now I know that I can only do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can hear Paul when he was preaching to the rulers like Herod and Caesar and all of these other individuals standing before them and they would say, this is the man that we've heard so much about. I can hear this 
stand before him and say, I don't know what you heard, but what you heard is not about me. It's just simply because God chose to drop a treasure inside of an earthen vessel. And I've gone a lot of days hungry. And I've gone a lot of days full. But what I understand, that God is my source. And everything that you heard, every report that you heard,
to tell you that that thorn will be removed. What? I, I felt that. Because I know it can be removed tonight. But what if you have to leave this place with that thorn still in your body? Like a man that has been shot with a bullet and they cannot remove because it's inoperable. It would do more harm than good. What if you have to walk out of this room like my father-in-law who has lost both legs and is praying, God, would you do a miracle in my life? And he's praying once, twice, three, four, five times. My wife said just recently while she was there, they called her in there and they began to pray because he's praying, but there is still what I would consider a thorn in his flesh that is inhibiting him to do that which God has called him to do. But what I'm telling you tonight, that no matter where you're at, no matter what you're facing, as long as you focus on the Lord, you may be dealing with the most nagging thorn in your flesh. You may be dealing with depression like none other. You may be dealing with fear like none other. But in the midst of that thorn situation, if you would focus on the God who's able to get you through it, you will experience a strength that can make you endure. They tell a story. Musicians, singers, if you would come. They tell a story of when they first started building elevators. They would not have enough elevators for all of the all of the floors. Four or five different stories. And you would have more people than there was room for them on the elevator so they had to wait. You ever been in an elevator or a hotel where the elevator was broke? And Lord, you have to take the stairs. You didn't want to take the stairs because you didn't like stairs. Well, they said these people began to think about what they could do. They said, what can we do to make these people feel like their weight is better? Well, what they did was, if you've noticed in a lot of hotels, They've installed mirrors. Anybody been there before? I've been in hotels in New York and other places, Boston. And there are elevators and places in these areas where there are mirrors everywhere. Well, they decided, they said, we're going to put mirrors everywhere. Well, the reason for that was that when they would be waiting on the elevator, they would be caused to focus on something else. In fact, they would focus maybe on a hair that was out of place, a jacket that maybe needed to be fixed, or an article of clothing that they maybe needed to be uh, fixed or adjusted. But all of the child of God, while they were waiting for God to show up and remove that thorn from their life, would just focus on the right things while they wait. Not focused on when it's going to be removed. Not focused on when it's going to be let go. Not focused on when it's going to all of a sudden get better. 
but focus on the fact that you serve a God that said he is a present help in time of need. And when you are in the valley of the shadow of death, you do not have to fear any evil because he is there with you. And Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes up to the hills from where comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. What's the rest of it? They are weak, but he is strong. I've made a decision in my life that no matter how weak I feel, no matter how bad the thorn is festering, as long as God leaves it in there, I'm not going to let the enemy knock me off balance. I'm going to boast in my weakness and I'm going to let his power rest on my life. I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to preach to people. I'm going to pastor a church. I'm going to do that which he's called me to do. Because I serve a God that's greater than any weakness. Father, in the magnificent and wonderful power, or in the magnificent and wonderful name of Jesus, we pray for his power tonight. All eyes closed, no one looking around. You're dealing with weakness. You're not in sin. You're not, you're not straying. You're still living for the Lord. You're still living for Jesus. You're still, you're still serving Him. You're still in church. But there's a thorn. Every now and then, it'll prick you. Every now and then, it'll nag you. Some of you, it may not be every now and then. It may be every time you get up to do something for God. You feel that you are on the verge of doing something great for Him and then that thorn just kind of, the messenger of Satan just kind of twists and it knocks you off balance. Maybe it's a physical thorn. Maybe it's an impairment that you don't have any control over and you don't think God can use you. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's worry, maybe it's mental. None of those things are anything to be ashamed of, but do not let that thorn, do not let that thorn in your flesh cause you to not do what God has called you to do in your life. I'm not asking you right now to come down, but if you're here and you say, I'm dealing with something, I'm dealing with a thorn that's festering. It nags at me. It nags at me. I feel like I'm too weak. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I can't accomplish it. I feel like I can't be like those preachers that preach and those singers that sings and all of the people that come on Sunday morning. I don't feel like I can do it. Maybe you're here. Would you just lift that hand? Hands being lifted. Hands being lifted. Maybe you're here and you're saying, God, I want your power. I want your glory. I want your power to rest on us 
tonight. I want your power to rest on me. And tonight, I glory in the fact that I'm weak. I glory in the fact that I am not able. I glory in the fact that I'm, I don't have the ability to do what you call me to do. But if I give you what I have, you can do exceedingly. You can do abundantly more than I ever dreamed of. You're here and you say, God, I want your power to rest on me. Just lift that hand up if you would. I want that power. Now here's what I'm asking. If you're here and you raise your hands, I want you to step out just real quick. And I want you to line these altars. And we want to begin to pray. Shut up, Rocco. 